0: What a blessing. Um, God's such a blessing. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest with you guys, what uh, really turns my crank, as the old saying goes, is to see people whose lives are changed by the power of Jesus Christ. And there's nothing sweeter to me than hearing, um Lionel or any of you say, I love Jesus. And I've seen His love here. Now that's sweet. It just doesn't get much better. And then to have Sonny and and, and his grandson. I mean, to have generations up here who were just in testimony singing about God's amazing grace. I mean, that's good stuff. I mean, man, I can only go downhill, I'm afraid. But here we are. We're in Song of Songs. Uh, 3 verse 6, um, and going into chapter 4, and 5 verse 1. And uh, I want to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump into the message. Lord, uh, we love you, God, and we're amazed by how you love us, Lord. And Father, we just pray that you continue to speak to our hearts this morning, Lord, because we need you, Lord. No doubt about it. We're um, sinners, and you're a savior, and we come leaning upon that fact that you come to save, and you come to salvage, and we're grateful, Lord, that you chose us, that you were thinking of us even as you suffered so greatly, and when you rose from the grave, hope was was shown. And made available. And thank you for that, God. So just speak to our hearts, Lord, with the time that remains. May you be honored. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, as we move through this collection of ancient love songs written by King Solomon, we read about his his heart and his beloved and... We've actually come, amazingly enough, to the wedding day. And what a day! You know, little girls grow up and they dream about getting married. And little boys, when they become bigger, just are grateful that they can be part of that dream when that big day comes. And they're able to enjoy that time together. You know, there are two really big decisions in life. One is, who is my God? And we all worship. Guys, we are all made to worship. The question is, who do we worship? Who is the God to which we bow? To which we give our hearts? And there's only one who won't burn us. There's only one we were made to really worship. And that's the Lord God. And that's through the Savior Jesus Christ who wants to be the Lord of our lives. And then there's a second question that we're going to look at a lot today, and that is um who is that person going to be? If God allows me to marry, who will that person be? And, and and so guys, we get an intimate snapshot here as we go down through the text here, and I just want to look at that as as we look at the covenant of marriage and the consummation of marriage and this great celebration and you know, back in that day, it wasn't just a, uh, you know, an affair that covered a couple of hours and getting ready for the ceremony and and then you march out. No, it, it was a time of celebration that lasted days. Remember, Jesus' His first miracle was that wedding in Cana, where they were having such a celebration they ran out of food and they ran out of drink, and so Jesus he made some wine. He he. He reached out and He honored that marriage, that that wonderful wedding ceremony, that joining together of two people. And as we look this morning, we want to be reminded of how God provides, how He works in a relationship, how He cares for us. And... Jesus reached out, He, he spoke, and he, he showed love. And You know, it's interesting as we look at this passage of Scripture, uh, you quickly see that a woman, she feels loved through communication, through what is said, through being lovely, lovingly spoken to, and lovingly listened to. A man feels loved by what he's able to see. Where a woman's verbal, a man's visual, and we'll see that as we look through this section of Scripture. A very honest section of Scripture. As we come down, we start at verse 6 of chapter 3. It says, Who is this coming up from the desert like a column of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and incense, made from all the spices of the merchant? So here comes this guy, and guys, or ladies, he's smelling good. Uh, he's got on the good cologne and, and uh, he's making an impression. <laughs> and it says, Look, it is Solomon's carriage escorted by sixty warriors, the noblest of Israel, all of them wearing the sword, all experienced in battle, each with his sword at his side, prepared for the terrors of the night. <laughs> so what a, what a scene this is. It comes with sixty military escorts in this grand wedding of a king and his loved one. And, and what a sight! And, and here comes the king. You, you see here in verse 9, it says, King Solomon made for himself the carriage. He made it of wood from Lebanon, of the finest wood. He, he, its posts made of silver, its base of gold. Uh, its seat was, was upholstered with purple interior, lovingly inlaid by the daughters of Jerusalem. So what a sight as as they come and there is this uh, great celebration and and parade as the people watch this this union. He says, Come out, you daughters of Zion, and look at King Solomon wearing the crown, the crown with which his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding, the day his heart rejoiced. So what a sight this was. There was the, the public display the, the public marriage, and what a beautiful sight that it was. And it caught the attention of the people as, as they watched. Guys, it was the talk of the town. It was quite an event. But we move from that public display to a real intimate display. And, and uh, very honest, as we go into chapter 4, and we see about the private love of this couple, this married couple. He says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. He looks at her and he's just, he's just lost in love. He, he He's just amazed by how attracted he is to her. He says, your eyes behind your veils are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Mount Gilead. You know, at first impression, I can't imagine many brides saying, well, that's really what I want to hear on my wedding night. My hair looks like a flock of goats, you know I hope they 've at least been brushed, right you know in the mountains she was from the goat country, and it wasn 't unusual in the mountains to to see these goats and how the sun would shimmer off of the goats and, and there was a real beauty to to those goats and 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 he was he was complimenting her from her background from as she had looked at the beauty of those animals and, and he said, "Your hair is lovely i it 's beautiful and, and then he goes on as he talks and he says, your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn coming up from the washing. Each has its twin. Not one of them is alone. Well, this is good news. I look at this, he basically says, honey, I'm so happy you have all your teeth. And you know, sweetie, I'm glad that you take care of them, that they're white. I don't know exactly what the dental care was at that day, but she she was faithful to take care of her teeth. I mean, So she wasn't a hockey player or a boxer or a... But that was a, a sign of beauty to him. He, he goes on. He says, uh, Your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of a pomegranate. And she's got rosy lips. He, he, he see he sees her and he's attracted. And, and then he goes on here. Your neck is like a Tower of David built with elegance. On it hang a thousand shields. All of them shields of warriors. In other words, this this woman man, she had a long neck. I mean she could pile the jewelry on that neck. And the thing about it is, you know, that uh, that's a flaw. I mean, you know, everyone we We have certain ways we'd like to look and we know what our flaws are and man we magnify them and we camp on them and, and, and we focus on those flaws. And here, I'm I, I sure she had a real sense of being self-conscious about how long her neck was. And I'm sure if she could, she'd wrap scarves around it and she didn't want to draw attention to it. But it's amazing here, even though she was self-conscious of it, he said, honey, I, I love you. I love the way you look. You know, I love that long neck you, you have. man. He was a long-necked man. and And that's what you need is that one that you love is to be the standard of beauty. And she was his standard of beauty. And and that that's so critical. Um it goes down through here. He says your two breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. If you ever been on the woods and you happen to run across a, a deer and those babies, you can't help but just go I'm not going to go much further than that in this commentary, but I believe that he just went, wow. I mean, it's like, wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for my lovely wife. Uh, and, And then he goes on, he says, Until the day breaks and the shadows flee, I will go to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of incense. All beautiful you are, my darling. There is no flaw in you. In other words, he says, I want, to, I want to climb this mountain of romance and I want it to be a thing of beauty. I want it to be something that we enjoy. That we enjoy this time that God has brought us together and, 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 and that uh, we are His and that we belong to one another. And, and I just want this to be a, a, a slow dance of romance and, and, and a slow climb up through the peaks and, 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 and just a time that God's given us. You know, and 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 he's just being so honest as as he shares his heart with her as they share this intimate time together. And you know, it's so special as he speaks to her, and and he's so pointed as he points out those parts of her that attracts him, the, those things of beauty that 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 means so much to him, and and. I, I just take a moment here because it's so important for that one that you're married to or that one that you're going to be married to, if some of you are engaged or moving that direction, that that is that standard of beauty. And we live in an age where people, they look toward the wrong standard of beauty. They look at what is, is, is not right as right. They look at how things um, are portrayed for intimacy. And they miss intimacy. And and it's so important to go God's way or or you never experience what He wants you to experience. That is so critical. I think it's interesting here as you go down through the next section of Scripture, there are three names mentioned here in describing this lovely lady. Uh, Starting at verse uh, 8, he says, Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Descend from the crest." "...of Amana, from the top of Seneir, the summit of Hermon, from the loin's dens and the mountain haunts of the leopards, you have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one level of your necklace. How delightful is your love, my sister, my bride." Earlier he spoke to her as his darling. But he, he starts here, and I think it's critical, he calls her his sister. It says in 1 Timothy 5, verse 2, treat younger women as sisters with absolute purity. And as He calls her his sister, I think what He is saying is this. He is saying, you're my best friend. He's saying, you're the one that I want to be with, and not just physically. I want you to be beside me. I want you to take this journey with me. I want to share life with you. Because what I want to enjoy with you is more than just a physical encounter. I want to let you know that I love you and that you mean everything to me. He, he's speaking about true love and he's speaking about purity. And, and guys, it's so often everything is backwards today. The idea is that you begin with a physical relationship and then you then you grow to love one another and then you get married and then it'll all work out. But that is not what God says to do. God says that you need to love him first. And that as you love Him, you come together and you treat one another in purity. And, and you walk as God calls you to walk. And He brings you closer together. And He works in your life. If the physical is the foundation, then it crumbles and it falls apart. It, it, that is not God's plan. Let's move on down through here. Uh, verse 10, He says, How delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much more pleasing is is your love than wine, and the fragrance of your perfume than any spice? <laughs> you know, and he says, "Honey, you smell good." Yeah, it, 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 I just like to kind of, you know, be around you. you. Just, you just do it. You know, I heard about one guy as I was preparing for this. One commentary was talking about some guy. He said, "You know, I knew when I met my wife that I was going to marry her because she smelled like vanilla ice cream, and I love vanilla ice cream." And and I, man, she just smells good. Um, he goes on. He says, uh, "Your lips drop sweetness as the honeycomb, my bride. Milk and honey are under your tongue, a picture of of gentle kissing, of uh, just an intimate time." Verse twelve, he says, "You are a garden locked up, my sister, my bride. You are a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain." Now, what is he saying here to her? He, he's saying, It is so amazing to me that you love me so that you have reserved yourself for me. He's saying, I am so grateful that you are a private garden and not a public park. I am so grateful that you have decided to reserve yourself for me. That's his that's his heart, and he's and that's God's plan, and, and that just saves um. So much heartache, it's so much regret when we go God's way. Not that He won't forgive us, but He's making a statement here, and He says it's just beautiful. It's just it's just such a such a wonderful blessing for me and for you. And you know, people have that. You know, there's misconceptions. Some say sex is just gross. Then there's others that say sex is a god. We see that in our culture, but the Bible says sex is a gift. It is a gift that is given for God that has. Boundaries that are within the marital context. And that's his heart, but that's not the kind of counsel you received today. Uh, talks about that in verses 13 through 15 of, of the beauty of a garden that's reserved for that relationship. Verse 16, he says, Awake north wind to come south wind. Blow in my garden that its fragrance may spread abroad. Let my lover come into his garden and taste its choice fruits. You know, up until this point, it's a, you know, there's a picture of the relationship is not to be physical. You're not to light those fires. Those things are to be reserved for marriage. But the wedding day has happened, and now there's an invitation. I think it's interesting here as you look at the end of uh, 5 verse 1, um, it says, Eat, O oh, friends, and drink. Drink your fill, O oh lovers. Now, you know, as I first looked at this, you think, well, who's the audience?" You know, we often talk about the friends, and they're kind of like backup singers and these ancient love songs that are part of the song, part of the music, important part. But I honestly believe on the wedding night, in this most intimate of details, there wasn't an audience. But there was one who saw. I think this is God. I think as God looks, He's giving His blessing. He's giving His approval. He's saying, "You know, I made love. I I made marriage. I made the idea of two coming as one and a family being born out of that love." And He says, "It's good. I'm pleased with it." So, what does God think about it? I think He says, "You know, I made it. It's a blessing that that I've given." Now, as I come to the end of this message, guys, uh, you know we've talked about. This intimate time, but you know what's amazing here is what a beautiful picture of love between this man and this woman, okay? How in the world could Solomon blow it so badly? I mean, remember this is the guy with um, 700 wives, 300 concubines. I mean, that made the Playboy Mansion look like junior varsity, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it, what happened? You know, I don't want to paint a picture here. You know, says, and they lived happily ever after. You know, that's how often stories. If this was Hollywood, and they lived happily ever after, man, life doesn't roll like that many times, does it? And as you look at this picture here, for Solomon, it didn't. It didn't. You know, I think it's interesting. I think as you look at Song of Solomon's, I think this was written early in the king's life, as, as uh, you know, he was in love. And then I think Proverbs is written as he grew older and was seeking the Lord. And then I think Ecclesiastes was written later in his life as he had wandered from the Lord. And turn with me to 1 Kings 11. I just want to read a couple of verses here. Starting at verse 1, we read, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites... Sidonians and Hittites, they were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them, because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. They were from different places but his problem was more than a racial problem. His problem was a religious problem. His hearts were his heart was turned after other gods instead of the Lord God which brought pain to his life and to the lives of those in the kingdom. You see all the women that Solomon married they believed in gods. They didn't believe in the one true God. James 2.19 says, You believe there is one God? Good, even the demons believe that and shudder. So, I'm just going to give some honest truth here, guys. This idea that I hear all the time, it doesn't matter where you worship God. It, it, you know, it doesn't matter where you go to church. It It, it doesn't matter what church you belong to. You know, and you hear the political climate how if you're a Muslim or if you're a Mormon or if you're a Christian, we're all worshiping God. That's a lie! It's a lie, as a friend of mine says, it's straight from the pit and it smells like sulfur. That's not of God. There's only one true God. And there's only one Savior, and His name is Jesus Christ, and He's the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no way to heaven except through Him. There's no other way. If you follow another road, it's a dead end and there's a cliff and you're going to go off and you're going to go into condemnation and you're going to miss the Lord. Jesus is the only way there. And His heart was turned by these women who believed in God's, but they didn't believe in God. God was distant. He wasn't the Lord God who came and who rescued us from our sins. And that makes all the difference in the world. You know, I look at Him and I think about His life... You know, as he was young, he saw his father David had a heart after God. You know, it was real interesting, we studied in Sunday school about how David followed God closely. How he listened to his voice. How he, how he prayed and then he responded. Because he was walking in step with God. But then we know the story of what happened later. He didn't listen to that voice. And when the army went to fight, he stayed at home and he was up on a roof and he looked and he saw this gorgeous woman that caught his eyes and his lust. And he became an adulterer. Then he murdered her husband. He became a murderer. He tried to hide all that. And the sin just kept being more and more compounded. And Solomon... He grew up and he was he a fruit of that and and yet he found God's mercy and God heard his voice when he said, I just want to rule the people. I just want to do the right thing. I need discernment. And God honored him and He blessed him and God showed him mercy. But something happened and he forgot about God and he left God out of his life and of the kingdom and of the palace and everybody suffered because of it. We all come from different homes. We all come from different backgrounds. And we all tend to think that I am the exception. God understands I have needs. God knows where I am. God will forgive me. I just have to do this. No, if you do that, you're going to get hurt. If It's outside of God's plan. And just because you grew up in a mess doesn't mean you have to stay in the mess. You can look to God and you can go a different direction. The Bible calls that repentance. And that's how you get out of the mire. That's how you get out of the mud. With the help of the Savior, He lifts you out of there. But guys, that does not happen overnight. Listen, this is from Ecclesiastes 9. 9. Uh, It says, "...enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. All your meaningless days, for this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor." Under the sun. You know, Solomon, he's at the end of his life and he's looking back with regrets. And I think what he's saying is, he's saying, be faithful to your wife. Be faithful to your family. I wish I had done that. He's got regrets here, guys. And he's saying, don't follow the path I followed. It's a deadly path. And there's regret all lined up in it. Don't wish you had done it differently. Proverbs 5, uh, 18, 19. He wrote, May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. He says, get it right. Go God's way and get it right. You know, and then we look at it and we say, man, this Solomon, he was a nut. You know, 700 wives, 300 concubines, He's just gross. How could he do that? I could never stoop that low. I could never get that far away from God. I just couldn't do it. Listen to me. I'm afraid that many, in, whether you call yourself a believer or not, in this age, there are a lot more harems out there men have than they want to admit. The problem is they're stored on their computers. There is a rampant problem with pornography. And so there are digital harems where men actually go in via the computer and see on the computer screen. Don't be trapped by that. Maybe you're trapped by that. God wants to set you free. That is not the standard of beauty He wants. He wants you to have the standard of beauty of the one that He gave you or the one He wants to give to you. Not a twisted standard of beauty that's just going to bring pain. Um, right, as I close this thing... um, just a, a point here I want you to really think about, guys. The last day of your marriage is more important than your first. There are some people that get so pumped up about wedding day. Man, I want my wedding day to be awesome. I want people just to, you know, they want to write about it. You know, They did it right, man. That's how we want our wedding to go. Listen, the last is more important than the first. Last day. And let me tell you what I'm getting at. When that last day comes, how do you want it to be? Do you want it to be before a divorce lawyer where you're bitter toward your spouse and you're fighting over possessions and you're fighting over things that you hold dear and you hate one another? Or do you want that last day to be looking in the eyes of your loved one as they pass into eternity? With a understanding that you love each other and you love the Lord. Now we don't normally think about it that way, but that's just what it boils down to. Let's just be honest about it. How do you want your last day of marriage to be, guys, if you're married? Which do you prefer? And of course the goal <laughs> is to grow old together in the Lord. Sociologists tell us thirty-five years, uh, a couple's just as intimate as they were on that that first day. There's a love that grows and a love that shares. And don't kid yourself into saying I'm the exception. God will forgive me. God understands where I am, and I'm just not ready to turn there yet. What's it going to take? we are capable of horrible things as i mentioned we're capable of a virtual harem you know he worshiped molech who was a god who demanded child sacrifices and we say man i wouldn't i wouldn't have a child i wouldn't sacrifice my kid and yet statistics tell us there are lots of people who instead of going to the altar of molech go to the altar of planned parenthood have abortions There is no telling what you and I are capable of if we do not walk close and clean before the Lord. We are capable of things we never dreamed we'd be capable of. And we are capable of going further and further into sin and causing heartache and hurt, not just in our lives, but all around us. And God wants to spare us from that pain. Don't be thinking you're smarter than God is. Understand that when you and I do not walk with God, we walk away from God. And the result of that, I don't want to think about. Stay close. So let me just ask as I close this thing, guys. uh, How's your walk with Jesus? How's your walk with Jesus? I mean, uh, it always comes back to that, doesn't it? When the hard decisions come, you're either going to go with your gut or you're going to talk to the people around you. And if they're not walking with God, that's a bad thing to do. The only safe place to be is close to Jesus. That's the only place to be. And don't think you're the exception. Don't think pain won't come if you stay far away from Him. And there are many that come and their lives are messed up and they won't counsel and, and and they say, you know, I know I need a change and they want the counselor to say to them, you know, I can fix it in five minutes. Well, if it took you years to get there, why do you think it can be fixed in five minutes? Guys, even when you repent, even when you turn your life toward God, it takes time. And it takes a heart. And it takes people around you that love the Lord and love you. And it's a journey. And it's a commitment headed back the right way. You still got to (laughs) travel. That God will work. These are hard words, but soft words don't help us. We need to hear the truth. So as we've talked about the wedding night the beginning of the message, I want to close thinking about the last day. What will it be like for you? Let's pray. Lord, thank You for some time to share um, about the beauty of a magnificent wedding day. About the warning of a man who was so in love but lost his first love. And there was a lot of pain that came out of that. Lord, help us to learn from that. Turn us toward Jesus. Keep us close to Him, Lord. We're capable of horrible things when we don't walk with the Lord. Help us, Lord. Maybe there's one here who has never, for the first time, trusted you, and there's no hope. Forget about walking the right way. You can't even walk unless the Savior says arise and walk in newness of life. So Lord, speak to those here who maybe have not trusted you for salvation, for that forgiveness you provide. And I pray, Lord, that if that's the case for one here, that now's the time that person would turn to you. And I pray for those who are already your kids. Lord, may we run to you. Because the ultimate goal of a married couple is you want someone who runs to the Master and runs away from sin. God, help me be that man. Lord, I pray for all of us here. That would be our prayer. Help us be that one. Have your way this morning, Lord, Um, as this altar is open. uh, Father, may we respond. In your name we pray. Amen.